0: I am on with a special guest, Ariel Martone, Um, and I'm really excited about this interview because um, we're going to be talking a lot about postpartum and how we can kind of be our best selves during that time. I think this is a time period that sometimes is under-talked about. We prepare so much for having, having the baby. I feel like there's so much that goes into being pregnant and actually birthing the baby and so much preparation that goes into it, and then sometimes... I feel like especially um, like in in Western culture, sometimes it feels as though there's like the one six weeks follow-up and then there's not really like a ton that people talk about sometimes. And so I love that we're going to have you on uh, because I want to hear more about you. And so um, if you can share a little bit more about yourself and how you got into this and your experience going into this, that'd be really helpful.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me, Caitlin. Um, I want to say to your point we absolutely skip right over the postpartum period. I mean, we, we live it, but we don't really experience it. And I feel like, you know, as you were saying, we prepare throughout our pregnancy. We take care of ourselves. We have a a ton of visits for ourselves and for our baby. And then we have the baby and we jump right into parenting. And to be honest, there's not really much parenting that needs to be done in that first year with your infant. Now, if you have other children, clearly that's a different story, but that first year is really just survival mode. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I think that we can't get through it in the best way possible, not a perfect way, but in the best way possible of really experiencing it unless, unless we embrace it and, you know, we say... That we are starting to see ourselves in that postpartum period and not again not just jumping to the baby into our role as a parent solely um so yeah i I started postpartum coaching um it's been i want to say about a year so my i have two little children myself i had both of them through ivf so it was a long process to motherhood uh, my oldest is about four years old now, a little bit older, and my second, my daughter, is going to be two on the 31st, so soon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it was during the postpartum of my second that I really struggled. Um, I would say, you know, again, postpartum is never easy in that first year. It truly is survival mode. You know, you're trying to have this little baby survive the first year, which can feel like a feat in itself. you're Mm -hmm. trying to survive as well as you know the mother and finding your role that way um but with my second i definitely struggled a lot more i had postpartum depression i had postpartum rage and i had pelvic pain so i had all of it all of it needed to be addressed and um you know i i knew I'll I'll get into it in a minute, how I kind of segued into postpartum coaching um, from my background, but my background is in healthcare. I'm a physical therapist uh, and a yoga teacher. So I knew from that, that I needed to take care of myself. I knew that I needed to physically recover, which I feel like is something that's, again, not talked about or known. You think that, you know, you have like the six weeks of rest and then that's it. You're recovered, you're healed. And, it you know, the body doesn't work that way. Six mm-hmm. weeks is a very short time frame for recovery. And if we're not actively recovering, then we're not fully recovering. Uh, you know, you can think of it the same way as a sprained ankle. Like sure, given enough time, how much time, who knows? It's going to heal. It's going to get better. Are you going to be able to do everything you were able to do before? No, but you'll get by fine, sure. But mm-hmm. unless you're actively doing the recovery doing the exercises to strengthen the muscles again to really stabilize at the appropriate times, then are you able to really fully recover and move on to doing what you were doing before? And so it's the same with postpartum that if we let it go, will we get back to, you know, feeling like ourselves? Maybe. But again, how long? And do we really want to wait that long? Because it can be years. Um, Mm. so, So I knew I knew this. It didn't make it necessarily any easier. I, you know, I did start the the rehab process myself. And in that I realized just how much was missing, kind of the lack of support, even finding a good um, pelvic public floor physical therapist. I am, you know, outside of Boston. It's a very <laughs> populated area. There's a, you know, great healthcare network here. It was really hard to find someone. And I I, you know, I loved who I worked with. But there was a handful in the area and I was driving about a half hour to and from my appointments and with a newborn and a toddler at home, it's not necessarily feasible yeah. <laughs> for a long time. So I, I had a few visits. And fortunately, I was able to then kind of take it from there and really progress my rehab on my own. Um, but a lot of new moms aren't able to do that. They don't have you know the knowledge of what to do or again, even knowing that they need to do it. Um, So I really worked through that on top of and really with the emotional aspect of the healing and really realizing that I wasn't fully progressing until I really started to marry the two together and really work with my physical healing alongside of and with my mental and emotional healing. And so that's what really segwayed me into postpartum coaching is because I really want to marry the physical and the mental emotional recovery pieces that I feel you know it might be a biased opinion but I feel that every new mom needs um, of course some possibly more than others and you know coaching isn't necessarily going to be the end-all be-all for everyone but I think it is 100% the first place to start um, so that was really kind of my my segue to it. You know, I, I had mentioned I was a physical therapist and yoga teacher, and you know'm I'm, st- I'm still those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did take I did take a pause um after my son to stay home a little bit more. um but there, you know, with him as well, I was kind of starting to segue into um, women's health, public health anyway. Uh, the one course that I was really hoping to take, I had to postpone because it was, it was scheduled for my due date. <laughs> so <laughs> that was really not, not good timing, especially with the internal work that goes on. Right. Um, but so I, I had an interest and it was starting prior to having my kids. And it really, that transition happened fairly quickly after my second because of the struggle that I had.
0: Okay. Okay. That is so interesting. And I love I love that you are talking about two really important components because I think you really can't recover or do one without the other. Like that physical component, I think, because you're right, your body has just done so much to, again, create this baby, birth the baby. And then, yeah, if you're not – there's so much that went into that that if you're not – I love that you talked about that actively working to heal and recover. I mean – that's, that's going to take a toll on your body. And I love that you also bring in the mental and emotional component. Cause there is a major part of, I don't care what number of baby it is, whether it's your first or a subsequent baby, there's always an adjustment, like emotionally, physically, there's so much going on with you. And like that baby's different. If you have, if you already have a child before that, like that's going to be interesting. And as a mom, that takes a huge mental and emotional load. So I love that, you're, that you are actively talking about recovering both pieces because I think it's really important. And I think you're right. I think a lot of people aren't even totally aware that it's like, oh yeah, now I have this baby and so much focus goes towards it, which rightfully so. And I think our instincts as moms is for our care and our focus to go towards these little people. Um, and yeah, I think that's like a big part of our nature. But I think a huge part, I mean, we talk about this all the time on the podcast, but a huge part of caring for our kids is caring for ourselves on so many different levels. Like we're modeling to them that we, like when we take care of ourselves, that's the most important thing that they can do for themselves. And if you're not at your best self, it's hard to be, it's hard to be the best mom that you can be. So I really like that you talked about that. I want to, so I want to go into both components at some point, but at the very beginning, I wanted to talk about, I do have some really good friends of mine that have either gone through, you know, whether it's postpartum anxiety or depression or whatever. You mentioned postpartum rage, all these things. Um, And a lot of them have talked about, because I think this stuff is kind of mentioned sometimes at the hospital or with your midwife or whoever is doing it. But I think sometimes people don't always understand what that actually is. And I've heard so many people say that when they've experienced this, it's more like they didn't even realize that they were in it until either afterwards. They were like, oh, that's what that was like. I was, it wasn't just having a new baby, right? Or someone from the outside is able to tell them like, hey, maybe like they don't realize until someone from the outside almost tells them like, hey, something might be up. Let's go, like, let's look into this. And so, and I feel like at least that's true with me a lot. (laughs) Like one example of this, simply like, I feel like you just get used to the way things are and you don't realize the way that it should be. So like, for example, this is something simple, but I remember at the end of my pregnancy, I had been dealing with like pregnancy insomnia, but I almost didn't even totally realize what it was. Like it was more just like, oh yeah, I wake up a lot and can't go back to sleep for a while, but that's just kind of like part of it. But then after I had the baby, like almost immediately I was sleeping way better than I had been when I was pregnant. And it was one of those things where I was like, oh yes, this is what normal like sleeping was, but you almost just yeah. get norm, and we don't even realize that it was different or that it wasn't maybe right. Um, and not even to say like, maybe that was just part. And I I was trying to do things, but it was almost like, I didn't realize how badly I was sleeping until afterwards. So I think with that, I would love for our listeners to be able to hear just like from your perspective, what does that look like? What are some signs that we should be seeing if we are like, if someone is experiencing, yeah, postpartum depression, rage, any of those, uh, anxiety, what does that look like? And how can we recognize this and be like, okay, I need to do something more. What can I do from there?
1: Yeah. So, so, so many good things there. First of all, absolutely. You had mentioned that no matter what baby it is, there's always kind of this transition and that's because there's a new, you're entering into a new relationship. So, you know, with that first baby, it's the new relationship between you and that baby, but it also changes the dynamics between you and your partner, And then you add, you know, with each subsequent kid, it's the same thing. Again, it's that new relationship between you and that baby, that new person, but then it changes the relationship again, between you and your partner, you and and any additional kids that you had prior. So there's, there's constant adjustment that happens. Um, and with what you were saying, we don't recognize that we are in it more often than not. I know with my son, you know, I had mentioned that I had a harder time with my daughter and that was. 100% 100% true. I, you know, I had the formal diagnosis. It lasted a lot longer. I had to really actively work through it. But with my son, looking back, I had a really challenging three months where I was really hard on myself, had a lot of, you know, negative self-talk, um, You know, just the challenges of trying to breastfeed for the first time, and it didn't, you know, click like I thought it would, and I had to have a C section, and you know, I had mentioned that he was IVF, so I, I felt like my body was failing me. I felt like I was failing him, and Mm. none of that talk is really helpful or useful or true. Even it's just, Mm. you know, you're doing what you needed to do to get to where you're going, and. Breastfeeding is a learned skill. It doesn't, you know, it's natural, but it doesn't happen naturally. But we don't necessarily know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I look back on that, those first three months that we were really struggling, you know, in hindsight, was that also postpartum depression? It probably was. Um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the baby blues that really happened within the first six weeks, and then it was, you know, resolved. It it lasted a little bit longer. Um, Again, not as long as with my daughter, I was able to move through it more quickly. But I think, you know, that's for several other different reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think part of the problem that I see with it is that, and this goes to your story about sleep or lack of during pregnancy, is that we normalize so much of the like hard shit of pregnancy and postpartum, and just mom life in general, that we think that this is just how it is. and. I think, you know, to a point you don't want to feel alone and you definitely don't want to, you know, have a stigma about struggling, but I think if we can instead normalize the seeking out of help and the mm. seeking out of support and not normalize the the feeling really down, and of course you're going to have hard days and there's going to be some nights of not sleeping and, you know, it's it's never going to be this perfect, wonderful, like, glow around you as you're holding your baby and they sleep wonderfully. Like that's mm-hmm. not real life either. Um but it's it's not normal to struggle all day every day and just chalk it up to well new mom life is tough. Um mm-hmm. so the first thing i would say is you know it's really important to be more proactive as opposed to reactive. So don't wait for the diagnosis. Don't wait to check off all the little boxes at your 6 week checkup. You know, if you're feeling if you're not feeling great, if you're not feeling how you want to feel, hmm. then start to seek help. Um, it doesn't have to be a diagnosis. We don't have to have that label of, you know, waiting for it to get so bad of being like depression or rage. But if you're not feeling how you want to feel, like that's sign enough to to go seek support and seek help and to t- start talking to someone and start the process. Because you know, the more proactive we are the quicker things can work, you know, as you're actively recovering, you know, and I say actively recovering because there is work that's involved in moving through, you know, any postnatal mood disorder, whether it's anxiety or depression. Um, It's not always just a quick fix answer that might be needed, um, especially if you are feeling, you know, really withdrawn, having thoughts of, Uh, It doesn't even need to be thoughts of self-harm or harming your baby. It can, it can simply be thoughts of like not wanting to be there or feeling that they'd be better off with somebody else, or, you know, that you're not feeling like you're good enough at, as being a mother. There's a whole bunch of of signs that can point to you needing some support and whether or not you need to take medication for that is a conversation for you to have with your physician but that's not the end point. Like that's, that's your like start to like get you through the active recovery process. And, and that's where the recovery actually happens. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so to, you know, to talk about, you know, different warning signs, I think the main one is really just is feeling off and not feeling like yourself. Um, you know, with the postpartum rage, I, I felt really, you know, I was just, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm a little like quick, <laughs> quick-tempered, hot-tempered, whatever you want to call it, normally. But it was more often than that, and it was a little bit more disproportioned than that. So I feel like just like the putting things into perspective and seeing, you know, are your actions or reactions to things, are they proportionate to the situation or disproportionate? And if you're noticing a trend towards disproportionate reactions, then that's a sign that there might be some more rage there that you're going through. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a lot of it, I see things talked about with rage in particular, or just anger and, you know, in early motherhood as being signs of, you know, you being touched out or, you know, overstimulated, not having your needs met. And I think all of that is true and can be true, but, you know, sometimes you're just angry about certain things, but it's how you're reacting to them. And again, is it proportioned? Um, You know, I, I was angry that I didn't have the support that I felt that I should have. Now, you know, I say this having a supportive partner, but he was able to go to work and he did, he he took some time off early on. He was fortunate enough to have some um, parental leave, but as he went back to work, I was resentful of that. And I can, you know. Feeling that way is normal, whether my needs are being met or not. But again, it's how you're reacting and then what you make it from there. So I think that the two biggest things is if you're not feeling how you want to feel and if your reactions are disproportionate. And same thing for, um, you know, if we're gonna speak to the depression or anxiety piece, we're wired to be a little more anxious, a little more heightened postpartum. Our brain changes where we do that Protectively to be more attuned to our baby, but in a world where we're already wired for anxiety, it it just exacerbates it. Um, But again, it's it's not having those anxious thoughts. But it's is it in proportion? Are you so anxious that you're not able to step outside with your baby because you're worried about something happening? Or with the depression piece, are you so down on yourself? Are you feeling so you know defeated that? There are, you know, multiple days where you're not eating the meals that you're supposed to be eating, you know, or should be eating. You're just not taking care of yourself, like those reactions. So, kind of looking at that, and it's really hard. It is really hard to see it yourself. And again, that's why being proactive and having a plan in place is so important. as As well as you know, talking to the people who are around you the most. So your partner, you know, close friends and family who you know might be popping in. So, you know, sharing episodes like this with them so that they have an idea of what to look out for can be really helpful.
0: Yes. Okay. Well, I really appreciate that because I think you're right. I think sometimes I love that you said like don't wait until you've checked off these boxes because there are and and those are good things to be aware of. And again, I think it's not to write off that, but I love that you said like trust yourself. Like if you feel like something is off. And again, I think with a newborn, you are going to be getting less sleep. You are going to be, yeah. You're you're doing so much um, caregiving, and again, if you have another kid, that even like even more so. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's one thing when you have your first kid, like you do, you know, you can sleep more when they sleep and things like that. But then when you have multiple kids, it's like it doesn't. It's not quite as easy just to like, okay, I'm going to nap when the baby naps because like you still have these other kids. So it's interesting. So I I I think I want to point that out for our listeners that it's like there, it is an adjustment and there is going to be things that are harder about it. Like you are going to be getting less sleep. There are those things, but I love that you said, if something doesn't feel right, like trust yourself, don't necessarily wait until like you get the validation of something else. If you're feeling like something's not right, that's like a really good internal sign. Even if maybe you don't like meet all the boxes for quote unquote post like postpartum anxiety or whatever, maybe if something's not right, that's a good sign that like you can start taking an active approach to, okay, what can I do? Like, do I need more support from the outside, from my partner, or from s- surrounding people? Like, what can I do to get that? Because that it is such a such a time of giving outwards, but like we can't give out if we haven't refueled within. So I love that you said that, because that's something that I hadn't quite thought of. But I think in my life, that's something that I've realized as I get older and older, that it's like. I don't have to like, I almost sometimes think about, I tell like my friend, I've told my close people around me this. Like sometimes I almost, I feel like gaslight is kind of like a buzzword, but like sometimes I almost gaslight myself where I'm like, oh, that's not really like that big of a deal. Like that's okay. But I'm like, no, if it is a big deal to you, like you deserve to bring it up with yourself, like address it with yourself or address it with the people around you. Like it doesn't have to necessarily like like you don't have to like be talking back and forth. Like, is this really a big deal? No, it is. It is, and it's okay. Yeah. To figure out what to do about it.
1: I think that's part of the problem is that we don't trust ourselves anymore. We are always so quick to look for external validation, whether it's a parenting book, whether it's just Google. I mean, how many moms yeah. could be sleeping a little bit at night, but instead they are. Up after they just fed their baby, up for an additional hour, googling, is it okay that my baby woke up again at this stretch of time? Yeah. And then that sends them down like an hour-long rabbit hole of what they did wrong, or shouldn't do, or could do next time. Um, yeah. That we, you know, we don't trust ourselves, and you know, with the checklist that you get at your doctor's office during, you know, during my well visit at I had it at eight weeks as opposed to six because I I did recognize some issues that I was concerned about. So I went in early, which by the way, you can do that. You don't have to wait to six weeks. If you're feeling, you know, again, that something is wrong, or if you're feeling particularly uncomfortable, you know, make that appointment. That's why they're there. So I went in around four weeks just to have, um, my sutures checked. Cause I, I did have some tearing. I had a, a third degree tear with my mm. daughter and I wasn't thrilled with how it, I felt like it was healing. So went in for that appointment and then was pushed back. Um, my six weeks was pushed back to eight weeks, but I didn't check off every box and I was being honest or as honest as I thought I was being at the time. And that's the other thing, like when you're filling out those forms and surveys, you know, are you really being honest or is there a little bit of fear holding you back because you feel like you shouldn't be feeling this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like that's a whole different <laughs> conversation. Um, but you know, I I had enough checked off where my doctor asked if I needed to be on anything, but that was kind of the end of the conversation. And because I didn't check off every box at the time, I was like, "No, I'm I think I'm fine," and I, I wasn't. Um, I you know, it was a couple weeks later, closer towards the three month mark, where it really wasn't getting any better. And at that point, my husband was like, "Stepping in, like we we need to do something about this. This isn't okay." Um, mm-hmm. That I started to look into counseling um, and therapy sessions as well on top of the the physical recovery that I was doing at the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. I love that you pointed out that, because I think sometimes, I think just the nature of postpartum depression or normal depression, like whether it's postpartum or anxiety or depression, or just like clinical of either of the two Uh take out I think it is it is so helpful when you can have somebody from the outside who cares about you that can maybe recognize it because I think sometimes when you're in it it can you're not you're not really in a great state to be able to I think sometimes if we're in a normal place it's almost easy to be like oh yeah like something's up but when you're in that place and you've been in it for a while you're not getting as much sleep which for me sleep is like a huge factor of like I notice my emotional and mental <laughs> mental like capabilities are just totally hindered with the lack of sleep. And obviously you're just getting less. And so it makes sense that you might not always be in a great place to be able to recognize it in yourself. So it is nice to be able to have people around you to be like, Hey, maybe something is a little different, or maybe we should look into something. So I love that you mentioned that, that it was like your husband helped you be like, okay, let's take some further steps here because you're not in the best place that you could be. And I want to help you be there. So I love that, that I think again, for our listeners it's also good to be able to recognize that in other people that it's like, hey, let me let me help you get to a better place. So I love that. Um,
1: and that it, it's probably going to take more than one conversation because they may not hear you or they're just going to deny it. Or, you know, in my case, I heard it and I saw it, but I just felt like, well, I'm just a failure as a mom. And this is just another indication of that. And so instead of being like, yeah, you're right, let's move forward. I kind of started to internalize that a little bit more. And so it just took a little bit longer to start to seek the help that I needed, uh, which is why I'm such a big proponent, again, of being proactive, because I feel like if I had started a lot of the things earlier, would it have changed the course completely? I don't think so, but I think it would have at least brought more awareness to what I was feeling to work through it um, a little more efficiently and probably would have you know sought more care sooner.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So I love that. So with that, um, I love that you talk about that. You actually do need time to heal and rebuild and rebuild postpartum. So, um, what are some tips that you have? Like, how can we do that? Even if, cause again, I know as moms, we are really, really busy. Um, mm-hmm. So how how do you feel like we can do that, even if we feel like for people listening, it's like, well, that sounds great, but I have no time. Like, I don't feel like I have time to do that. Um, what are some thoughts that you have with that? Uh, so
1: we, you know, we always have the choice of how we spend our time. We're all given the same 24 hours in a day um, that we have to work with. So it really is kind of prioritizing. And sometimes prioritizing rest, but that can be a whole mindset shift of its own because we are in this perpetual, I'm so busy, I have to do these things. So write them down. What do you really have to do? Now, if you're if it's going back to work, okay, you may really have to do that at a certain point in time, but look at everything else. Look at how you're spending your weekends, look at how you're spending the time you know in between working and um not and you can do a lot of this the rest and the recovery portion you can do it alongside your baby um mm-hmm. you know you had mentioned with the first it's easier to sleep when the baby sleeps except for the fact that I feel like as first time moms we feel like we cannot do that you know mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like an eye roll comment when you as a first time mom here that you're like no but i have to like clean the house and i have to prep for you know getting back to work and i have to do all mm-hmm. this other stuff and make sure my baby's like on the right schedule so that you know if i do go back to work they're you know where they should be um which they'll they'll adjust at some point in time i feel like for with my first i spent so much of my time stressing about getting him ready for me going back to work. And I didn't go back until nine months, but that was like mm-hmm. a different, you know, that wasn't my initial plan. And then it kind of morphed into that. And I did like a one day a week thing. Um, so we really didn't need it. And that was a lot of wasted time, a lot of wasted energy um, yeah. that I, if I could do it all over again, I would just be like, just, just let him do his thing because he knows yeah. what he knows what he's is doing and what he needs better than I do at this point. Um, but Within those first six weeks, if you at least have that six-week span of time, is to really allowing yourself to rest. And like I said, it might be some you know mindset shifts that you have to make. That like the house can be a little bit messy, or you can order out a little bit more, or you can ask for help, which I feel like is really hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but just ask for friends and family to help out with meals if that's limiting you from resting with your baby or you know alongside your baby you don't have to be sleeping the whole time but Mm -hmm. actually like laying down fully laying down and resting but then balancing that out with walking and you know slowly progressing a walking schedule you are restricted from exercise during the first six weeks but you're not restricted from movement in general Um, Mm -hmm. so you know doing a couple gentle exercises, a couple gentle movements throughout that first six weeks can be really helpful in the recovery process, but it's it's really balancing the walking and the resting. And so, you know, put your baby in the stroller, walk for five to 10 minutes, and then come back in and lay down and rest for 20 minutes or so. And again, it, it really comes down to, especially within the first six weeks, just kind of reprioritizing your time and looking at what you really have to do, what you feel like you should be doing and what other people want you to do. Because I feel like there's always kind of that expectation too of like, oh, well, we should be going out to, you know, this event or so-and-so wants to meet the baby. And just think like, does, how does that feel for you? Does that feel good and like something you want to do? And if so, like absolutely do it getting outside is really good for you know you as a mother mm-hmm. and if it's something that you enjoy but if it if it's something that you just feel pressured into doing then just cross it off the list at least temporarily and then yeah. do that at a later date
0: yes and with that i feel like <clears throat> i i have learned this i feel like it's a good like tip for life is if you feel yourself saying the word should like i should be doing oh. this we should be doing this it's a good indication to like rethink about that because you still might end up doing the thing and that's okay. Like whatever it is, but you come at it from a different place. Cause it's like, I, yeah, I should be keeping the house clean for instance. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute. Should I be not like, no. And, and maybe that's still something that you want to do. It's okay. It's, it's okay to do that, but it comes at a different, from a different place where it's like, no, actually like, maybe I want to this cause this feels better. Or maybe I don't like, I don't know why I'm doing that. It's, only like me and my family here right now, my kids don't care if it's immaculate. Like it's okay if I lay here. So I think I love that, that it's like, wherever you are, rethink about if you are saying should maybe just think about, wait, I, I shouldn't be doing anything. What do I want to do? Or what is, what feels like right to me right now? I think, especially during that postpartum period, yeah, yeah, never be doing anything because you should, because sometimes it's like, who am I getting this pressure from? Really no one else besides myself. You know what I mean? So, right. or sometimes yeah. that might be coming from social media or whatever it may be, but it's like, I get to, dec- like, I'm the parent. I get to decide what I choose to do and what I don't. And I'm not yeah. going to do it with and, resentment.
1: Yeah. And it could be, it can be fun things too. Like, I feel like we always throw, you know, the cooking and the cleaning and all of that, which, you know, we feel pressured. And I know for me, I was like well if i'm now staying at home i need to get like this is part of my role now and that's not really that's not really the case especially within those first early months where you are still very much recovering and very much adjusting to a new schedule um but you know that is pressure we put on ourselves but it can be fun things too like with with my son he was born in april and we had this really lovely brunch at you know this nice fancy restaurant in boston and I didn't want to go, but I felt like I should because it was a lovely brunch with like my husband's family. And,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, the food was great. And I like to go out to eat usually, you know, mm-hmm. usually that would have been like, yes, like this is an excellent Mother's Day.
0: Mm-hmm. But I
1: felt like I should go. And I really didn't want to because he was only about a month old at the time. And I went anyway. And I had, you know, a, a fine time, but I do remember feeling just very anxious the entire time because I was worried about you know what he was going to be doing and at that time we were really struggling with breastfeeding I had to use a nipple shield so I was like what if I have to feed him at this restaurant like now mm-hmm. you know at two years of my second like I don't care
0: <laughs> but
1: me yes. in that time it was it was all those little things that just felt really heavy at the time and I said yes anyway and like I said it it wasn't it wasn't like ended up being a catastrophe. It was fine. And I, you know, I had a nice meal, but Mm -hmm. I just was, I was something that looking back, I probably could have held my, you know, my boundaries a little bit more I'm like, no, I don't feel ready just yet. And that's okay. Like Mm -hmm. would I like to do this, this brunch? Yes. But not right now in this time. So, you know, it, it very much can be fun things and things that you would have enjoyed before. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that can get into the blurry lines when you're looking at things like postpartum depression, because a sign of depression, you know, and and all of these things are symptoms, really, like depression, Mm -hmm. anxiety, they're all symptoms themselves. They're not necessarily, that's not, it's a diagnosis yet, yes, but it's also a sign of a whole bunch of other things going on. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the things that we, you know, we tend to look at is, are you withdrawing from things that you used to enjoy? And I feel like that's really tricky, especially in the first you know, six weeks to three months postpartum, where there's a natural tendency to withdraw from the things that you used to enjoy before. And I think that that is absolutely okay as long as there's kind of this gradual progression towards getting back to them, you know, so where, you know, the first couple of weeks you're going to want to feel really in more often than not. And I'm a big proponent of getting outside every day, even from early on, but you know, not necessarily mingling or, you know, entertaining other people or going to events within those first few weeks. Um, but as long as there's kind of a slow transition towards that again then i think you're on the right direction but if you are noticing that really come the 3 months you're really feeling a lot of resentment for the things that you liked to do or it's kind of going the opposite way that you're you know not only feeling you know resentment for it but you're also actively avoiding those things now that that's kind of a sign too so but it can it's you know it's blurry lines early on and i think that's i think that's part of the difficulty with it.
0: Yeah. Well, I know. Yeah. Cause as you were saying it, I thought the same thing. I thought it makes sense why this can be hard for people to recognize in themselves because it is just a different time of life. It's a slower pace time of life, which mm-hmm. I think in a lot of ways is really beautiful. Like I think it can be really great. Yeah. You, you are probably are saying no to more things. You are kind of, I, I like the, like, for me, I even feel like it's like a turning inward of like, I mostly am just with my little ones and myself. In a lot of ways, it can be really beautiful, and but it's different than other times in my life. Like I don't mm-hmm. I don't usually do that during other times of my life. So I think, again, like maybe having – I love what you talked about at the beginning and I'm kind of coming back to that a lot. Like trusting yourself if – it's one thing if you're doing it from a place of wholeness of like I am choosing to not go do this thing because it, it's feeling like the right thing for me and my family right now. And, and at another point, like maybe in a few months, or another point in my life, I can feel like that's going to be a better thing for me. But right now I'm a month out or I'm two, whatever it is, and this feels good and trusting that. But if something, I think again, like if something's feeling off, like if it's like this thing would have brought me joy and I maybe would have wanted to, and I don't, like that's not sounding right to me. I don't know. I think there's like some signals there where it's like, trust yourself, where it's like, this is off. Because I think you're right. That postpartum time is just going to be different. So different doesn't necessarily mean bad, but if something's feeling off that's maybe something where it's like okay hold on what like why does this feel off am i feel is there something more at work here do i simply like need to to sleep more how can i go about maybe doing that what are some ways that i can get support so i love i think i love that because i think there could be some people listening where it's like well this is different but it makes sense that that time is pretty different and that's okay I think that's okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, absolutely. It's okay. And again, that was, you know, one of the things that led me into postpartum coaching is because it is such a different, unique time that what works outside of this postpartum time, and we'll, you know, I'm gonna use that postpartum time as really within that first year, but again, it can be anything from and people say six weeks. (laughs) I think that's bullshit, um, <laughs> really, until you're feeling more like yourself again. So, you know, there's evidence and research suggesting that that's like two to five to possibly seven years out. And I think those long term, you know, those five to seven, in my opinion, just an opinion, that's when when things are just brushed under the rug as, oh, this is just normal mom life now. And you kind of resign yourself to that. I don't think that you have to feel postpartum for five to seven years after having a baby if you do the work and put in you know it doesn't have to be a ton of time but a little bit of time into your recovery and addressing again the physical and the mental emotional pieces of it um but it is it's such a unique time that you know coaching that i was listening to and getting involved in during that time a lot of it some of the things just they didn't work <laughs> you know mm-hmm. talking about waking up early in the morning and getting in all of this me time to get yourself set right or you know other specific things it just it wasn't fitting in because as a new mom you're you have to prioritize sleep and rest and so if my baby's sleeping in past five then i am going to be too because chances really? are especially for me early on they were up around that time anyway Mm -hmm. um so so yeah so it it is definitely a different time where you you have to allow yourself a little more grace you have to kind of reset what you're thinking um as far as you know productivity and we're in we're always in this you know we need to feel productive um and yes to a point but early on postpartum it's absolutely okay to not be what we would consider productive because your productivity, you're, you're, what you're producing is very different in that first year. you're you are raising a baby, you're nurturing that baby, and that is a lot of work in, a, in and of itself. you know even if it's just you holding your baby to sleep while they're napping, like there's a lot that goes in there, you know emotionally and sometimes physically as well when you're tired, but you're doing you're doing the work anyway.,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes. And well, so I think you bring up a good point because I think um there's that there's a bounce back culture. And mm-hmm. I, I love how you're saying that it's like this time period of recovery and healing can look different for everybody. It can like the time frame is very fluid. So maybe can you talk a little bit about why bounce back, like the bounce back idea, like bouncing back after having a baby, um, can hinder recovery, both like emotionally and physically.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So So it kind of goes to that point of what works for you normally or what worked for you prior, what's going to work for you, you know, five years after having a baby is not going to be what you need postpartum. Um, So jumping into bounce back culture, you know, we'll we'll just talk physically for a moment and then we can kind of talk about emotionally as well because... You're right. It's not just getting our body back that we feel like we have to bounce back to. It's getting our body back, getting our career back, getting you know our free time back, getting our relationship with our partner back. All of those things we feel like we need to do instantly, mm-hmm. if if at all, because some of them we feel like shouldn't shouldn't have changed. You know, like our relationship mm-hmm. with our partner, and that those are just kind of unrealistic expectations. And I feel like a lot of a lot of our struggles, postpartum and in general, come down to our expectations, what we're expecting of ourselves, what we feel like society is expecting of us. And if it's not matching up with reality, that can kind of create a lot of you know discomfort for ourselves. Um, it can create a lot of anger if we're, you know, expecting to come home to dinner being made for instance, and then it's not, but that was never communicated. And so there's, Mm -hmm. or, you know, personal experience coming down from doing bedtime and thinking that the dishes would be done, but that wasn't communicated. And, you know, Mm -hmm. usually my husband does dishes after dinner anyway, but coming down and seeing them still in the sink. And that would be something that would trigger that postpartum rage of like, why isn't this done? Because that was an expectation that I set that wasn't communicated. So Mm -hmm. it comes, it, it often comes down to expectations, but physically bouncing back postpartum, again, for the majority of people, it's just not realistic. It generally takes, I mean, this is kind of an average, like six to 12 months to really start to lose the baby weight. You know, there's an in, initial drop right away because you're losing some water weight, the placenta, the baby, all of that. Mm-hmm. But then the rest of it, our body is designed to really hold onto that weight regardless of if we choose to breastfeed or not, our body is designed to have that tendency of producing milk after having a baby. And that takes about, again, another average of like 500 to 700 additional calories. Now, if you start to be more active, again, that's going to kind of tick up as well. So if we are trying to get our body back too quickly, you know, we generally do it in one of two ways or in combination, and that's either dieting, we're trying to cut calories too soon when, especially if we're breastfeeding, our body needs more calories. And if we're not breastfeeding, our body doesn't want to get rid of those calories. So if you really mm-hmm. start to cut them back, your body's going to want to hold on to that a little bit more. It'll kind of resist mm-hmm. you a little bit. But you also, you know, our body needs extra calories just when we're recovering. So as our body's healing within those first six weeks, you don't want to start Decreasing what you're taking because your body does need more energy. You're getting less sleep, so your body is you know running at that higher metabolism more often throughout the day because it doesn't have that really rest and reset time period. So you're burning through more calories. You're also burning through more calories mentally because you're thinking of everything that needs to happen, and and that burns brain you know burns calories as well. Um, But your body is trying to physically heal. So in that process, you do need some more energy also. Now, I'm not saying just like sit on the couch and eat junk all day, but don't Mm -hmm. try to start, you know, depriving yourself or cutting calories back early on. Um, it's, It's not helpful. And you're likely not going to get the results that you want, what you likely will get, maybe some weight loss, but you're going to feel more depleted. You're going to feel likely more touched out because again, you're not you're not meeting your basic needs and you know your basic needs are you know rest drinking enough water eating enough food and if you're kind of missing any of those things especially when you're already low on the sleep it's just going to make all of that feel more heightened and then if you are breastfeeding it risks you know not letting you fully establish your supply and i hear You know, time and time again, you know, women who struggle with producing enough milk. And again, this is just this isn't research-based, this just thoughts that I think would be good Mm -hmm. topics of research down the road of like, does that have to do with these new moms also stressing and struggling with trying to get their bodies back? And I think, you know, not always, but I think that there's probably a good percentage of that is affecting, you know, the milk supply and, and what they're able to produce. Um, and, you know, that can, there's clearly lots of other things that can go into that. Some, you know, people who are exclusively pumping, you're generally pulling off less milk on the pump. So if that's what you're seeing, it's not necessarily what your baby's pulling out either. So, you know, I think that there's lots of factors that go right. into that, but, it, but it's, no, it's pretty common. It's, a, it's definitely a complaint that I hear a lot is that I would love to breastfeed, but I just, I'm not producing enough. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, checking your calories, making sure that you're eating enough early on and that you're not stressing to try to get your body back. Um, but the other, you know, piece to that is if you are rushing into working out too soon and your body hasn't fully healed, you know, you're cleared at six weeks to basically do everything again, you get your six week checkup and they and they give you like the green stamp to like, go, go resume your activities. Mm -hmm. And that's just, it's just not reality. So if you don't do the prep work, the inner core work, the pelvic floor work, which is exercise and you are, you know, you're building back strength, but you're also, you know, working on muscle length and tension release as well, because. Especially with your pelvic floor, you don't want it to just be strong and tight, and and the muscle um, shortens. That causes problems as well. Mm-hmm. So if you're only doing you know the strengthening exercises and like Kegels all day long, you can create problems that way by just creating too much muscle tension, having the muscles shorten up, and when muscles aren't at their proper length, they're not going to work properly. Mm-hmm. Um, but by rushing into activities like that, whether it's lifting really heavy too soon um doing you know a lot of high intensity and running our body needs to be prepared and able to handle that mm-hmm. um you know there's more research now indicating that 12 weeks should be the minimum to return to running wow. and that's if you're at 12 weeks out and there's you know kind of like a checklist of things that you should be able to do at that point to then start running and then it's gradually building up what you're able to so not just going from, all right, I'm 12 weeks now. I'm going to start running three miles again. That's what I was doing before, but really kind of building up to that slowly. Um, but a lot of, you know, a lot of people are given the six week green light and they'll start running then. And when you start doing those high intensity exercises and your pelvic floor is not prepared and not healed, that's when you risk either causing problems or not letting problems go away. So you can get a lot of pelvic pain you can have urinary leakage. Um, you can have, you know, there's so many problems, prolapse. You can have issues with, um, you know, we talk about bladder leakage, but you can also have bowel leakage as well, where, um, you know, either you're not wiping clean or you're, you know, feeling like you can't hold it in all the time. Uh, and that's something that's almost never talked about. But it is a complication right. of having pelvic issues postpartum or really anytime, but you know, very much postpartum. Um, so if you're again, if you're rushing into those workouts too soon, because you're trying to get back to a certain point, mm-hmm. you're really doing your body a disservice. And you may get to those goals, you know, the physical goals that you want. But at what cost and a lot of times you don't, which is why you hear so many new moms within that first year, you know, saying I'm doing all of this stuff, but I'm still not losing weight. And then I, you know, I've had so many moms asking about different supplements that they can take and, you know, basically like diet pills to do on top of it. Cause they're doing all this work, but they're still having these issues. I'm like, no, no, you need yeah. more time and you need to kind of start back from the beginning. And again, nobody, nobody yeah. really wants to put in that groundwork first, but it's just, it's so important because you know, when your kid's a toddler. You don't want to say, all right, well, here we're at this bounce house, but no way in hell am I going in with you because I'm afraid that I'm going to pee my pants. Like, you mm-hmm. don't want to do that. You want to be able to play with your kids and enjoy them as they get older, um, you know, and get back to things that you enjoyed doing as well. You know, getting back to running without having a lot of discomfort. Um, you know, there, there are some stats that pelvic pain can be as high as 80% in postpartum runners. And I think you know, a lot of that is because they're, they're getting back into it so soon. Um, It's really only been within the first, you know, within the last couple of years that there's been a push to really try to educate runners on waiting the 12 weeks. But again, it's 12 weeks and meeting a a list of of criteria.
0: Well, you mentioned a few things that I absolutely love because number one, again, we, we have these like timelines. It's like, okay, after six weeks, I'm good to go everything. But like, are you ready to go? Because yeah, that's, that's like the, the general, the powers that be have said, but like you are the authority of your body. So I love that, that it's like, yes, that's okay. And, but like, are you feeling good enough to do these things? And, and how can you start back up? And I love that you said, I think our bodies are amazing, amazing instruments that you, you just brought up a few things that it's like, our bodies are designed in a way, like we automatically start wanting more calories because our bodies need that not only for recovery which totally makes sense to me. I mean, you're recovering from a huge thing. I mean, and and then not only that but it's like, yeah, if you are breastfeeding, whether you're breastfeeding or not, your body is naturally wanting more calories. It's building up for that. So, I think I just think I hear that and I think how amazing that our bodies naturally do things that we're not even like consciously thinking about, but it's for our benefit and if we can just trust them that like they're doing the right thing and it might not quote unquote, look the way that we want it to be. Mm-hmm. Like It's doing exactly what it needs to. So I love that you said that, that it's like when we have this idea in our mind that I should be able to do, should again, that quote, like yep. in word, I should be able to do this by six weeks or 12 weeks. I should be able to quote unquote, look this way by this time. It's just, it's crazy. Cause like our bodies know what they're doing. And so if we can trust them as hard as it may be sometimes to like be able to take away those pressures, maybe from outside or from ourselves like and realize that our body is going to do exactly what it needs to when it needs to, and and with our active um, healing, I love that you brought that in at the beginning. That it's like it does take time and effort to heal. Like you said at the beginning, if it's a sprained ankle, sure, maybe it's going to heal over time without any mm-hmm. focus from us. But real healing is going to come with us actively doing the physical therapy, doing the work and time. Not that it has to be hours a day, but actually putting in some intention behind, behind recovering and healing. So, and another thing that you said, and I have heard this uh this idea before that in there are other countries that part of your postpartum uh recovery program, everybody does pelvic floor um therapy. Like, what is the word that I'm with? is that pelvic floor therapy? Yeah,
1: pelvic floor therapy.
0: Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's like part, like a standard part of postpartum, but that's not really the case here. As you said, like where you live in a populated area, like it's hard to sometimes find that. So I love that you brought that up, That it's like that actually, I think it's something that gets skipped over. That's like, oh yeah, maybe do kegels or whatever it is. But that actually can be a really massive part that I don't even think people know about. And it's like, actually this is like a big part of healing. And if you're doing it in the wrong way or not even paying attention to it, you can like you can do your body a disservice in a really big way. And in, like you said, it's also affecting how you want to be, how you want to show up as a mom for your kids. So with that, I actually did, um, I, I don't know, I would love to hear from you maybe a few tips for our listeners of like maybe some physical pelvic floor exercises that they could do. And I know that you have like a website that people can go to. Like, what are some tools that people, if they're listening now, it's like, okay, well, What can I do? Like, I know Kegels, but what else can I do if I'm wanting to strengthen pelvic floor and things like that and recover in that way? What could I do?
1: Yeah. So um, first, I just want to say, you know, to your point that a lot of doing our body a disservice by either not doing the recovery or doing it in the wrong way leads to a lot of problems that, again, back to what we were saying in the beginning of, you know, things being hard and not really noticing it when you're in it because things are just so normalized is that a lot of the pelvic issues that women experience are just so normalized because they're common and they're Mm -hmm. common because we don't get the proper postpartum care. Um, so, you know, urinary leakage after having a baby is very common. Having pain with intercourse is very common after having a baby and having, you know, dysfunctional sex life because of that. It is really common up to 18 months postpartum. People are still very mm-hmm. dissatisfied, but again, it's not normal and it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to have a little bit of urinary leakage every time that you're you know, jumping or laughing. You can resume activities that you enjoyed and have them be pleasurable again. But again, it go- you do have to do the recovery. Um, so with that segue into some tips that you can do. Um, you had said it before, but intention is everything. So, really bringing your awareness to what you are doing and being intentional is a really, really key thing. Whether it's a physical exercise that you are doing, or whether it is um, you know just being present in that moment to help with the emotional recovery piece, um, because they you know they really do go hand in hand. Um, you know, it's shown that women who have pelvic pain or, you know, pain postpartum at six weeks are more likely to be prone to postpartum depression. Um, so Mm. that, you know, they, they do go hand in hand and that's because you can't, you know, if you're not feeling good in your body, it's, it's hard for everything else to, right. To feel good and and to work how you want and you know vice versa as well. If you're feeling really down on yourself, a lot of times that can kind of exacerbate pain that you're already feeling. And so it's so interconnected that again you have to address both. But with the pelvic floor stuff initially, I would say first, you know, before you do Kegels, I would take them out of the equation right now, early on, because oftentimes people are either you know doing too many. Or they're not doing them the right way, or they're not really bringing in te- intention to it. But there are a lot of other ways to strengthen the pelvic floor without doing a Kegel. But we usually have to kind of let it relax first. Um, so an exercise, or really kind of a stretch that I like to do is a yoga squat. So you know, feet a little wider than hip width, dropping down, getting your your bottom as close to the ground as you can. And you can kind of modify that by either like sitting on a block or a couple of pillows if you feel really uncomfortable there. Or if you notice that your your ankles are really tight and you're not able to get your knees, I'm sorry, your heels on the ground, it's just like putting a towel roll underneath your heels as well. Um, but sitting in, a, in that pelvic squat for 30 seconds at a time and really just doing some deep breathing there, really On your inhale, thinking about, again, the intention piece, thinking about letting your pelvic floor lengthen and relax down towards the ground, and then on the exhale, thinking about it lifting back up. So that is a really Mm -hmm. good place to start, and you can do it in about 30 seconds, a couple times a day. You know, you can do it while your baby's having some floor time and you're right there next to them. Mm -hmm. They really like when you're kind of on the ground and around with them Plus, it gives them something to, you know, look at, and especially when they're really young something to look at as they get a little bit older they'll start to kind of mimic you which is pretty cute um Mm -hmm. so that that would be something that you can do pretty much from like day one forward um another thing is again a breathing exercise is really thinking of you know not just belly breathing where we're you know using our diaphragm but extending our belly because if you have and likely you do especially if you're early on um a diastasis uh, recti where it's separated a little bit between mm-hmm. your abdominal muscles if you're just belly breathing forward in that direction you're kind of causing some more strain and stress there so you really want to think about breathing into you know your back body and your side rib cage so sitting and you can just have your hands on your lower ribs and think about breathing into your ribs really deep and so your belly is not you know, not doming out and extending, but you're really breathing more laterally and into your back. So it's really a 360 breath. Mm -hmm. And again, thinking of the pelvic floor, relaxing, letting go, lengthening during that, because as our diaphragm descends with the inhale, our pelvic floor should also descend. And then on the exhale, slowly breathing out again, thinking the intention of thinking of our pelvic floor lifting up as our rib cage kind of knits closer back together. And if you want, you can always do like a little squeeze at your lower rib cage at the very end of your exhale and then just kind of get it ready and prepared for a fuller
0: inhale. Oh, okay. So let me get that right though. When you're exhaling, you are bringing intent, like with intention, focusing on bringing your pelvic floor up.
1: Yeah. Okay. So like okay. the diaphragm is kind of like a parachute uh, or mm-hmm. a jellyfish motion. Kind of that up and down motion, like a parachute or a jellyfish, your pelvic floor is doing the same thing, and they should. I'm going to say should here with physical stuff, not the emotional <laughs> stuff, but they should be working in coordination with each other, and that's where a lot of dysfunction sometimes happens. Is that you know it's not necessarily that your pelvic floor is weak or strong. Often it is, but it's not only that. It's that it's not working in coordination with the rest of your body. Um, so yeah, as you exhale and your um, you know your lungs contract, your diaphragm lifts pelvic floor should also lift at the same time. And then opposite on the inhale, pelvic floor lengthens and your diaphragm lengthens. So they kind of flatten out.
0: Okay. Okay. I'm loving that. I'm gonna do all I'm gonna do all those things today. Um and I love that you said that those things are things that we can do at the beginning that is just yep. helpful for our bodies. I like that. Um okay those are super helpful, easy to do. And then also I would love to hear I have one more question after this, but since we're on it, I know I've been to your website, and I think it's great. You have some wonderful free resources on there. But if people want to look more into how they can strengthen their pelvic floor, how they can do this recovery, where can they find some of this information?
1: Yeah, so I have I have two free resources that are on my Instagram link at this time, and then I'll send you the links as well. Um, the first free resource is um, Pelvic Recovery 101 so which is you know there's nine tips on it that you can start right away so if you are pregnant and expecting wherever you are in your pregnancy get it now because you're going to want it right after your baby Um, if definitely if you're within those first six weeks um but really if you're having any pelvic floor issues it's a it's a good place to start Um, and there's Mm -hmm. nine tips on there of things that you can do for your pelvic floor um the yoga squat is is one of the tips on there. And then I can go into you know more detail with that and with um, the other nine tips as well. So that is really good if you're very early on postpartum. And then the other free resource that I have right now is a mini training. Um, it's exhausted to energized without sleep training. And this is where it puts the focus back on you and what you can do, uh, both physically and mentally, emotionally. It really brings all of that together to feel more rested because there are so many reasons we feel exhausted and depleted postpartum and sleep is really just a very small piece of it, but it's often Mm -hmm. the piece that gets the most blame because it seems the most obvious, Um, but there's so much that you can do to start feeling more energized, feeling a little bit more like yourself that has nothing to do with the amount of sleep you're getting because let's be honest, we're not, we're, changing your baby is near impossible in any sense of the way. Um, right. We can guide and support them, sure, but you're not going to change them and make them this magical sleeper. And you're likely right. going to give yourself a lot of stress in the process. Yes. Um, but you can, you can change and work on things for yourself. Um, so both of those free resources are on my Instagram, and that's at Arielle Martone, M-A-R-T-O-N-E. <laughs> And yeah, I do have a couple other, you know, free resources and some articles on my website and that is findyourwaymama.com.
0: findyourwaymama.com. Okay, perfect. And we will put, you know, both of those things in the show notes so you uh, you listeners can go there and we'll also put it in our email so you can see. But I feel like those I just love all of this cuz again, I feel like it's so like what you said when it's like um I love that one of your your trainings that you do is put like giving ourselves the power to change it because it's true. Like we're not going to be able to change our babies. Our babies aren't robots just like we are. And so right. I love that. Like when we take the matters into our own hands and, and when we're kind of given some guidance of what to do, cause I feel like there's a few things that you've already said today that I'm like, Oh, I didn't think like even just like simple things where it's like, I think it is good to know where it's like certain things you don't have to, like when you talk about normalizing, just because that happens to a lot of postpartum moms doesn't mean that. Now it's just like, okay, well, that's just how things are. It's like you actually can take the power back into your own hands. And there are wonderful things that you can do both for your body and for your spirit and everything to be able to find this healing. So I love it. I feel like you've given some really good, like concrete tips for how to do that. So I'm really excited for our listeners. Um Thank you. And just, Yeah. And just one question to end. I, I would love to hear because you kind of talk about um, the transition to motherhood really can shake our identity in a lot of different ways, right? It changes so many things about how, and and I think we sometimes put that in a negative light, but I also think in a really positive way, it can change our lives. Um, But that can shake our identity because it's like, wait, where do I go from now? Um, So I would love to hear if you have some steps of how to get back to your true self, because I think that's something that I have heard a lot of my friends talk about where it's like, I'm, I really love this motherhood thing and there's so many beautiful things about it. And like, I feel a little lost. Like I'm myself, I've lost myself a little bit. How do I hold both? You know? Yeah. It's,
1: it's so hard and I feel like it, it is a complex process, but I'll try to keep it as brief as possible. But I feel like a lot of times we, we tie our previous identity to what we did as opposed to who we were. So often it's it's learning to let go of that. And that can very much be a part of it and a piece of it. Um, but it's learning to identify more of of who we are as opposed to what we do. And you know, I'll use myself as an example. You know, I identified myself as a physical therapist and then taking time off and just doing once a week, that was a you know a big shift in and of itself, because I I loved my work. And I was really proud of what I did and proud of the work that I put in to get there and getting my doctorate and all of that. And when we meet anybody, it's always, hi, what's your name? And what do you do? And that was what mm-hmm. rolled off. And then I was in this weird, like, Oh, well, nah, I don't know, right? I don't know what I do mm-hmm. right now. Like, who am I? You know, but there's so much of me being a physical therapist that now I can look at. And, you know, it's I love movement. I love using movement as medicine. I feel like moving our body is really important. I feel like being able to help someone do what they want to do and getting creative to do it and doing it right now, as well as, you know, coming up with goals to, to do it maybe more what, what you had pictured as more idealistically before. Cause a lot of times there's a lot of, Creativity that can go into getting you to a goal or to doing something that you love before without it looking how you initially anticipated. Um, mm-hmm. So it's all of those pieces that are still very much you know a part of me. You know, movement is a huge part of my life. I enjoy being really active, and so you know that's who I am. It's not that I was that I'm a physical therapist. It's it's someone who believes in all of those values, who believes in really proactive care as opposed to. You know, reactive care and quick fixes. Because if you've ever gone to physical therapy, you'll know it is not a quick fix. You're going to have to do mm-hmm. the work, and you're going to have to do it. Chances are, indefinitely, at least small pieces of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's all of that, and it's so it's taking a moment and kind of learning to break that down. Um, and with me, a lot of a lot of that is getting in touch with your body physically. Uh, Which, you know, goes hand in hand with really rebuilding and recovering. So getting in touch with your body, feeling what you're feeling physically, and then also emotionally. Uh, And that the emotional piece, you know, journaling was a really big help for me for that and kind of finding, you know, who I am again, outside of, of the labels.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I love what you said that instead of kind of basing your identity on what you do, basing it on who you are. Like what, what are your values? What does that mean to you? I love that because I think you're right. What you do does change a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. especially if you are going from full-time to either part-time or not working at all after having a kid. Um, so I like that a lot because it's like, it doesn't necessarily have to change who you are. And I think in a lot of ways, motherhood can really bring out some beautiful things about who we are. And so I think, but but it can get easy to get lost if we are not intentional. So I love what you brought at the beginning that it's like I think being intentional from the beginning of thinking thinking about it can go a long way. So, yeah. That's beautiful. Um okay, well, I have loved everything that you've shared. Seriously, thank you so much for coming on with us. I feel like this is going to be so beneficial for all of our listeners in whatever stage you may be in, whether it's you're about to have a baby, whether you've just had a baby. And I also love that you said, like, postpartum doesn't have to be just those first few weeks or months, it can last for longer. So if you're 18 months after having a baby, you can still, like, take this, take some of these things in. Cause I think that these are, this is a really big part of us being the best that we can. So yeah. thank you again.
1: If, yeah. And just to that point, if you haven't put in, the worker done, the healing, and you are feeling, you know, you are further along, it's, it's not too late for you. Like I, I've spoke a lot about being proactive and I 100% believe that, but it really is never too late. It may take a little bit longer, but it's not too late, but you will have to kind of start back at the, at the basics at the foundation. So if you're willing to do that, you can absolutely move, move through what you are feeling and start to feel a little bit better and a little bit more like yourself at any stage.
0: Okay. I love that. Doesn't matter where you're at you can start now. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And um, I hope this helps everybody find the magic. If you like what you heard today, please share this with a friend or loved one. This means so much to us and it helps the podcast continue to grow. And if this podcast has meant something to you, there are three things that you can do right now that will help us immensely. The first is to subscribe or follow us. And you can do that by going to our page, wherever you listen to podcasts. And then if you tap on the upper right hand corner, there is usually a plus sign or a subscribe button and just go ahead and tap that. And that will allow you to subscribe or follow us, which what this does is make sure that you never miss an episode. And it really helps us at find the magic. The second thing you do is share it with a friend. So if you like what you heard, um, send it to somebody or post it on social media. This does a ton to help our podcast continue to grow and for us to be able to make more episodes. And lastly, um, if you've enjoyed being here with us on Find the Magic, we would love it if you could leave us a five-star review. Um, We read every single one of those reviews and we appreciate them so much. And we want you guys to know that we... Feel that you, our listeners, are our friends, and we're so grateful. Thank you so much for sticking with us on this journey. We have loved it. So let's find the magic together.
1: Me, 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 me. (laughs) (laughs) Brown cows.